Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief or a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. Um, I see you know that I don't have a preview screen, or any screen for that matter. Am I, am I on my own? Oh, there it is. Good. Okay, we're going to talk about abundant life because that's a theme that the Week of Guided Prayer gave me. And so this is how I get to this, in case you're ever wondering how I do that. I put my search engine on my Bible and put in abundant life and find out that there's actually only one passage about abundant life and it's John 10, so that made it really easy. I'm preaching on John 10. That's how it goes. But we're in this, this stage. I mentioned that, you know, Ruth Ann and I are the only speakers today and next week we're, we're away and there's, there's this thing that happens after every Easter. Like some of my colleagues, they just take vacation right now because you sort of, you hit this spot and then there's a bit of a drop off, right? Someone actually wrote me uh, this week, a um, friend wrote me, watched the service and said, that was an amazing Easter celebration. Lots of you said that too, and it was. We had a great weekend last weekend. But now what? Right? I think that's a great question because we, we've hit the celebration. We hit the truth, right? If, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, what can't he do? But then you went back to work this week, and it was a beautiful week. So maybe this is a bad example of a week because it was amazing weather. Right? So let's go this coming week when it gets colder again and life just kind of carries on. What has changed? Right? How do we live into what we believe from what happened on Easter? And that's the ongoing, what I would call the million dollar question of church. Right? How, do we, how do we own what has happened to us in Christ? How do we own that identity that we have, that Jesus Christ has renewed us and given us his spirit? And how do we live into that more fully? Right? And we've been having communion for week after week after week, and communion in the end is about feeding us with that truth, connecting us with Christ, putting Christ inside of us so that we have his life living in our life. Right? And again, so how do we live that out more fully? Well, beautiful timing for the week of guided prayer and for John 10, because this is what it's about. Whoa, that went too far. Can you back me up, please? 
Thank you. I don't know how to back up yet in case anyone's wondering. Jesus and the Pharisees. Notice that it says at the start, very truly I tell you, Pharisees. So we love the Good Shepherd stuff because it's a beautiful, positive image, but Jesus isn't, well, maybe he's talking to us. What's a Pharisee? Pharisee is somebody who's quite sure that they're living a pretty good life and doing the pretty good things and showing up at the right places at the right time, like Sunday morning for church. So maybe that is us. Maybe he's talking directly to us because we're people who hate to break it to us, but we sometimes have the sense that if everybody else would just show up at church on Sunday morning like we did, the world would be a better place. And that might well be true, but the minute you start saying that, you're into that Pharisee and tax collector prayer thing where the Pharisee says, oh God, thank you that I'm not like those horrible other people. And the tax collector is on the ground beating his chest going, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? And there's this dynamic where Jesus constantly wants us to understand that dependence that we have, that need that we have, and then living out of that is the way that we move forward. He's talking to the Pharisees here, and notice that in verse 6 it says, Jesus used this figure of speech Right? It's, it's a complicated little figure of speech, by the way, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And I want to say, but did his disciples understand? Because there's not much evidence in the Gospels that they got it either, right? That this image is meant to draw us in, but as you're going to see, it doesn't just simply give us, say, what Psalm 23 gives us, right? Psalm 23, the great shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, so we know who the shepherd is. It's, it's the Lord, right? And I will not want, so we know who the sheep is, that's me, and he provides for me, gives me green pastures and running waters and all those kinds of things. That's a wonderful, simple analogy. Jesus takes that, and as we're going to see in a couple of seconds, he makes it a little more complicated, so don't be too surprised that you with the Pharisees might not fully understand this. So I did a little test to prove this this week. Often when we gather as a staff team, um, one of us, well, always when we gather as a staff team, one of us brings a passage at the beginning. You read it, and you don't preach or anything like that. You just say, what do you think? And everybody hears and shares what they're, what they're sensing. And we had a lot of good questions about this passage, which was helpful for me, right? And hopefully it's helpful for you too now. So there's an abundance of characters in this story. There's the thief and the robber, and the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and then there's the gatekeeper, right? And so what starts to happen is you're going, wait, this isn't just Jesus and his followers, right? There's the, there's the bad guys, if you will, right? And you'll notice that characters start changing roles. After Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he also says, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. You're going, are you the gate or the shepherd? And then now we no longer have a thief and a robber, but we have a hired hand who is not the shepherd, right? So Jesus is mixing a whole bunch of different characters in here. And part of our job is to figure out what's going on. First part, I think, is reasonably easy. What do thieves and robbers have in common with hired hands would be a better way to write that. What do thieves and robbers have in common with hired hands? And I think it's this. They don't have a deep vested interest in the sheep right? They're not their sheep. They're not owning them. They're not passionate about what happens with them. They're either coming to mess with them and take them for themselves, or they're just trying to get their wage. They don't care that much about the sheep. Reminds me of when I get um, phone calls, especially back when I had a landline, of people trying to sell me something. It goes like this. 
Hi, Mr. Schermerger. How are you today? That was a good sign that they don't know who I am. Right? And then we start a conversation, and they want to, in their words, make my life better. Right? Sir, if you had this, all would be well. And I always say this, if I feel like talking to them. If you can admit that since you called me, you're going to benefit from this more than I do, then the conversation will carry on. If you can admit that this is in your interest more than it's in mine, then the, then the conversation will carry on. And of course, they need me to keep talking. So this is always fun. This is why I do this. Because if they don't keep talking, there's no way. I've even done this one. If I can tell you right now that there's no chance whatsoever I'm buying this, I will keep talking to you. And they say, okay. And if I have a lot of time, I will talk to them for a long time. And it will really sound, of course, because I'm listening to them, that I'm going to buy whatever it is that they're selling. And they say, remember the beginning of the conversation? I promised you, and I, I'm a man of my word, I will not buy what you are selling me, right? Because you won't admit that what you're doing here, you're a, you're a thief or a robber or a hired hand. Either way, you can, you can take your pick in those roles, right? But you have not my interest, but sales as your main interest. And we understand that, and those are, sorry if you have that job, but don't call me if you do, because I'm not really fun. <laughs> These folks, are not interested in the well-being of the sheep. That does happen, that's what they have in common. Now, Jesus also plays two roles. He easily doubles down, I would say. He says, I'm the gate, and he says, I'm the good shepherd. And you wanna say, well, Jesus, if you want people to understand, be one thing, right? But this is the beauty of Jesus. He's always more than one thing. He's walking around as fully God and fully human. That's our, our basic of theology of Jesus. He's fully God and fully human. He's 200%, because he's 100% of both of those things. So it's not really that hard for Jesus to be a gate and a shepherd. Some people explained it this way. They said in a sheep pen, the shepherd would often sit in the, in the gateway so he could be the gate by being the shepherd and sitting there. I'm not sure that's true. It works, so if you want to run with that and one, go ahead. I think it's, it's as simple as this. What Jesus is trying to get to us is not that this analogy works, that he can be both a gate and a, and a shepherd, but that he can do a whole bunch of different roles, right? So the book of Hebrews has Jesus being the priest, the sacrifice, and the temple. He's all three of those things. He's the building, right? He's the person, and he's the sacrifice. And in this case, Jesus is both the gate, the way you get in later in the same gospel. He says, I am the way, but he's also the person who leads you in. He says, I am the truth. I'm the one you need to understand. I'm the one you, you, the one you need to follow. So Jesus is basically saying, I both lead you in, and you come in through me. Right? Jesus can easily be both of those images. They're both biblical. I think what he's trying to say is what's going on here in this good shepherd analogy is a little bit more complex, more full, more deep, more worth ongoing meditation than a simple analogy. All right. A familiar voice. These are the things that Jesus does. The sheep listen to his voice. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Voice recognition is all around us. I don't mean the AI version. I mean the fact that people recognize each other's voices. Twice now since I've moved back here to Niagara, once I'm sitting in a restaurant out on a patio during COVID times, and someone hears my voice and says, is that Eric Schering? This is somebody I haven't seen since high school. Second person I haven't seen from high school, I'm in Shalom Manor saying goodbye to somebody that I was talking to, right? And this is all masks, of course. 
And the person goes, is that Eric Schuringa? And I'm going, one, who are you? And after he told me who he was, I said, how in the world could you recognize me? I mean, I did have hair once, right? And de definitely when he knew me, I had hair and I have a mask on. He said, oh, I, I knew your voice. Now I'm kind of paranoid that I maybe talk too much all of my life. <laughs> but people recognize voices, right? You make those connections. So I got this info from Brady, who got it from our common friend Jeff, who got it from a guide in Israel. So this is about four times removed, but it's still good details. Our friend Jeff, um, on a tour in Israel, was on the bus. They stop because there's a shepherd leading his sheep. And basically the guide says, watch this. And the shepherd makes a throat sound, he said, right? Makes some sign of guttural sound, and all the sheep come. Makes another guttural sound, all the sheep disperse again. Makes a third sound, and one sheep comes out. So since most of us don't live in the sheep world, you probably didn't know that. I didn't know that until Tuesday, right? That this voice thing would make total sense to Jesus' listener. They're totally getting what's going on here. He, they know his voice, right? Um, you can hear out of, out of whole crowd a voice of somebody that you love or you recognize, it, it, it stands out, right? And what he wants to say to us is, when Jesus is speaking, listen for his voice and learn to know his voice. Now, listening for the voice of Jesus is, of course, what the Week of Guided Prayer is about. We are going to give you some tools in which to, to hear that. I want to suggest that... Um, I think I've spent most of my adult life trying to work on this part of faith. So I grew up in this tradition, and in this tradition, we, we learn a lot about Jesus. We know a lot of stuff. We have a pretty good education system in this tradition, and I have all of those pieces of education. Um, but that part about experiencing Jesus speaking to me, right, um, we don't give that well. Am I allowed to say that about us? Am I allowed to confess that, right? We don't put that on the table real easily. We'll teach you about Jesus, but having that experience. So right now, I'm seeing a spiritual director, and I intentionally chose somebody who's very other. It's a um, older female who's not Christian Reformed or Dutch or any other backgrounds that I have. And so this other person has a whole different set of antenna, right? And it really strikes me that um, she has been able to lead me to places where I'm going, yeah, my mind could have thought of that idea, but my imagination could not have felt that sense of the presence of God that you led me into, right? So this is an encouragement both to do things like the Week of Guided Prayer, and also, if you want a one-on-one -on -one with me to help you hear what God's saying to you about something you're dealing with, that is always on the table offer, all right? One of the favorite things for me to do. You heard, I'm not really that good at it, but I might be able to help you get there anyways. That's kind of what I'm saying. listening to his voice. And there's so much to a name. He calls his own sheep by name. I had in mind that when you were all standing up here, I was going to pray for you all by name, and there's a 65% chance I might have been able to do it, right? Because that, um, that work that has power. And so for those of you who we did commission, when you do pray with people, make sure you pray with them by name, right? And, and a number of us were talking about this kind of thing, that if someone asks you to pray for them, if you take the moment to go, yeah, why don't I do that right now, right? Because I can say, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you, and then, you know, some other time I will do it. 
What about that moment where you are representing the shepherd and they know your voice because they ask you to pray for them and you pray for them by name, right? Seems really simple. I don't have to explain in detail how that works, right? You know how to do that. It's words using a name. But the power of the experience, right? The power of the experience. I've seen people when I've prayed for them before and I use their name and often when I'm praying for you and it's ministry I'm actually watching and they start to cry right at the moment where I say their name because they're hearing mediated through my voice. God knows my name. He knows who I am. This isn't an idea that someone's going to do some other time. This is God meeting with me and speaking into my life right now. He calls his own sheep by name. Right? And we, we, we hear our name. I remember my kids when it was probably after church, they would want to get my attention and they'd go, dad, dad, dad. But there's lots of dads in there, so. And then they'd go, Eric. And I would look and they'd have a great big grin on their face because they'd called their dad by his first name years ago, right? They were little. We know the name. And follow the leader. And then he leads them out. And when he brought, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him. And this is just true. Uh, when I was in Israel, we saw this, right? The shepherd would be walking along and the sheep straight line behind him, one after another, right? And then we saw the goats. The goats are running all over the place. That's why Matthew 25 works the way it does, the sheep and the goats, right? The goats don't follow in the line. The goats might eventually get there, but they're on their own game, right? When God is leading us, he expects that we simply follow. And I want to suggest that the... The culture that we live in, North America, Canada, Southern Ontario, is a culture that teaches us to be independent, not followers, right? We raise our kids to get up and move out and do their own thing, don't hang around here kind of a thing, right? You know there's cultures where they actually find that surprising when you want your kids to move out, right? They want to keep all the generations together and keep on that journey together. In this culture, we at least have to be aware that we're teaching independence in a religion that calls for dependence. We're teaching go your own way in a religion that says follow me, right? One of the churches I was working at a number of years ago, one of them gave me a hat, and on the back of it it says follow no one. And I said, am I supposed to wear that here? Because that's not kind of the message we're trying to give. We're trying to say follow Jesus, not follow no one. But it was just so embedded in our culture, that you go your own way, that you would be independent, that this part of following Jesus is really obvious for sheep. This is one where the sheep are ahead of us. They just naturally follow. That's what they do. They, they were instinctually, they do that. We have to ask the question, am I willing to submit myself and my time to following Jesus and to putting myself in place where I'm just stepping it out with him? Taint standard shepherding. I wrote taint there to get your attention. Take it that's working. That's it is not in proper English. Right? But Jesus doesn't do proper English shepherding. Think about it. You're a shepherd. Well, Jesus says this one. You got 100 sheep. One wanders away and is in danger. Thinking economically now, which do you hang around with? The 99 that are going to pay the bills? or the one that's probably going to wander away again and it's not going to make it, right? The shepherd should probably stay at the 99. What did Jesus say he did? Went after the one, all right? David, when he's talking about being a shepherd, 
He says, you know, the bear would come and I had my slingshot and the lion came and I had my slingshot. Who was laying down their life for the sheep in, De in David's thing? It was the bear and the lion, right? It wasn't David. David wasn't going, the bear was coming, so I let him run me over and then take the sheep. No, no, no. That's not how you do this. But Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And you wonder why they're going, I'm not sure what he's talking about, because that's not the right way to shepherd. And that's the funny thing about Jesus. There's a lot of things he didn't do the right way, according to us. Why do you think his followers abandoned him? He thought, Jesus, that putting himself, letting himself be arrested and going to the cross, even when he had the access to a thousand angels, was a good idea. And they're going, that, that ain't going to win the battle. Jesus' way of victory is counter to our ways of power and winning and coming out on top. Jesus' way is to say, you know what? I'm actually going to go after the one lost sheep. I'm going to be counterintuitive. I'm going after the one who, who's straying away. I'm actually going to lay down my life. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you because basically saying, folks, you don't understand how the shepherding thing works. You don't understand how this being God thing works. You don't understand that unless I put myself down for you, we don't get to the other side of Easter. We don't get the opportunity for resurrection. We don't get the opportunity for you to see that even in death, God has power to restore and renew and carry us on forward. And then abundant life, they'll come in and go out and find pasture. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And folks, this is the truth of the Bible that we've got to keep hanging on to. This is not about eternal life insurance. This is not about saying, yep, I believe in Easter, so when I die. Now, this is about, I believe in Easter, so tomorrow. Tomorrow, I can listen to the Father's voice. I can hear Jesus guiding me. I can allow the Spirit to shape me. I can see my life growing in more and more abundance of all the things God wants to bless me with, not the things I, the world wants to bless me with. I can grow in the abundance that God has in store for me, things like grace and truth, things like love, and joy, things like peace and patience. Some of those things you can't simply measure, but boy, do you know when you have them, because they change the way you see and do and experience and feel everything. And then as if to prove his point, they were divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. He tells this beautiful shepherd story that we love, and they think he's demon-possessed and raving mad. And then others says, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Right? They're mystified by Jesus in this story. And maybe just hang on to this piece from that. Jesus is always just a little bit more complicated and beyond us than we've grasped already. There's always something more to know. So maybe you've done the week of guided prayer many, many times. Keep going because there's something else there for you to hear and to see. Maybe you've read passages in the Bible over and over again. You think, boy, I really know that one. Listen to that passage with somebody else sometime and be amazed at what they hear and what they can bring to the table. Jesus is always giving us stories. He loved to talk in parables, which are ways of speaking to us that make us go, I think I get the point. And the next time, no, there's even more. And there's even more. And there's even more. Further on and further in. That's the journey of following Christ. Last slide. Listen, feel, and follow. However you're participating in prayer this week, listen to God, right? 
that's what the week of guided prayer is about. Listen to scripture, listen to God. It isn't always about talking when you're praying. It's about going, what? what's God saying? How's he speaking to me? How's he showing up? How's he grabbing my attention? What's fluttering inside of me? And I had this piece, feel. Feel, because it's about a relationship, right? You don't need to know the passages for the week of guided prayer. You need to feel the passages. What's God saying to me? What's he, what's he making beat in my heart as I listen to this? And then the all-important, it's great to have an experience. It's great to have knowledge. Those are always part of life. But those things call us to follow, to follow. What's the next step for you? What's the next place you need to go? Where is Jesus going ahead of you that you're hearing and saying, how am I going to take my step to follow him on that journey? Because that's the part that lets us experience it to its fullest. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for going ahead of us. Thank you that we can follow you. Thank you for the truth of your love for us. Thank you that you do the most unexplained and outrageous thing of lying, laying down your life for us. Thank you also that you picked it up, that you arose in Easter, that now as we hear your voice in prayer, we know it's our risen Savior. It's our risen Lord. It's the conqueror of all things who conquered by laying down his life. Help us follow you and hear you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.